have your Bible, go to John chapter 15 with me, please. John chapter 15, a very familiar place in the Word of God. And although I have been preaching for many years and have preached several times from out of this passage over the years, this is not a rehash of an old sermon. This is a brand new sermon that the Lord has given to me. And many of you are like me in the respect that sometimes you've studied something and you've you've maybe gone in depth with it only to discover that you have to go back and go back over it again and let the Lord work it back into your heart and to keep it fresh in your mind and in your thinking. And such is the case today in this passage of Scripture that I'm going to share with you from John chapter 15 and begin reading, reading in verse number 1 where here the Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. <clears throat> Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Father God, help us as we study the word that your spirit would apply it deep within Lord, I pray that we might be different for time spent in your house today. This we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. This morning I want to bring you a message entitled, A Fruitful Life. A Fruitful Life. As you go throughout the Word of God, you will, as I have been, be impressed by the fact that the Bible has a great deal to tell us about fruitfulness. 
the number of times that it speaks metaphorically of fruit being produced in our lives is vast. There are dozens and dozens of times, perhaps hundreds there, and certainly we find from even the parables of our Lord, uh, Him speaking about sowing the gospel and having it bear fruit. Uh, We can see that in Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless coming, come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, it's a picture of fruit bearing, of that which has been implanted being uh, produced. And, and we know that God is very, very interested in fruit bearing. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, There is the Lord delivered the Sermon on the Mount. He said that every good tree shall bring forth good fruit, and every evil tree will bring forth evil fruit, and by their fruit ye shall know them. By their fruit ye shall know them. The Lord, uh, when going to Jerusalem to uh, enter into the city for His triumphal entry into the city, rebuked a fig tree that was there, and although it was not yet the time of figs, there was no indication there that there was even any fruit that was forthcoming. And the Lord rebuked it, and it was, of course, a a picture of unfruitful Israel, and they were much like what the Lord said of the Pharisees, that this people draw nigh me with their lip and their tongue, but their heart is far from me. You see, on the outside, they had all of the leafiness and all the uh, apparent foliation of a love for God, but inside, the Bible says that they were full of dead men's bones. And so, they were a picture of that fig tree, and that fig tree was representative of them. And in a metaphoric sense, we too have been called to produce fruit. The 15th chapter of John is one of the most powerful places in all of the Bible. And the Lord is teaching His disciples as they have left the upper room. The Last Supper is now ended. Judas Iscariot has already set about to betray the Lord. And his evil is underfoot. And he has left. No doubt he was perhaps that one referred to that did not bear good fruit and that was taken away, cast into the fire. But let me say this to you, that Jesus was on His way to the garden and as He was going, He was preparing the disciples for His coming death, His burial and His resurrection and His eventual ascension into heaven. He was calling them to a fruitful life that was characterized by abiding in Him, by obeying Him, and by rendering glory unto Him. And each of us must take time to consider the implications of these truths and how they relate to our lives personally. As we begin this passage, we find that Jesus, in the words written in red here, is saying, I am the true vine. And It's important for us to understand that while there are many other voices in the world, and that's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and none of them is without its signification, we we understand that the true 
vine is Jesus Christ. He's the real thing, amen? And we can trust Him. He's the one that gives us life. And although there may be others that think they have a way to life, the reality is that Jesus is the true vine, and we can trust Him. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. I want you to notice with me, first of all, the Father. We notice, first of all, the Father who is the husbandman. He is the keeper of the vineyard. Some translations render this, instead of husbandman, it says vine dresser. And however you translate this, the indication is that the heavenly Father tenderly cares for the vineyard. Those of us who are a part of Jesus Christ, we've been grafted in by the work of regeneration to the vine, Jesus Christ, the true vine. And we are the branches. I, I like that song that we sing with the children, His banner over me is love. And one of the uh, verses of that song is, He is the vine and we are the branches. And His banner over us is love. And, and I like to sing those songs with the children. It teaches them uh, the, the deep things of God in a simple and yet memorable way, teaching them doctrine with song. But we notice here that the Father loves and tenderly cares for the vineyard. And that is us. And let me say that the Father loves the branches and sees to it that all of our respective needs are being cared for. And, and He has a beautiful purpose for our lives. The Bible reveals it and makes it eminently clear in this passage that the Father has a wonderful, enduring purpose for your life. But one thing that I will tell you is this. God desires for every true believer in Him to bear fruit. To bear fruit. To have a fruitful life. It's interesting that the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse number 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, the Lord is not just interested in us existing and just getting by. The Lord desires for us to produce fruit, to be productive, to be abundant in that productivity. And so we notice the Father who has willed this and who gently and lovingly cares for the vineyard and for those branches among whom all believers, true believers in Jesus Christ are numbered. We secondly notice the fruit. Of course, God desires for the branches that are attached to the vine to be fruitful. And I'll tell you this, that a genuine branch that is grafted into the vine will bear good fruit. A genuine branch. Now, listen, the Bible admonishes us in the epistles of Peter to make our calling and election sure. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. And so, uh, that we are to do this, to make certain that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that heaven is our home. And so, listen, one way that we'll know that is if we see the evidence of God having produced fruit 
in our lives. There should be something there that we can look to that will give us the indication that God is in me and that through His life-giving flow, there is evidence being produced in my life that I am indeed His child, uh, grafted into the vine. I am a branch. Many of you have studied this as I have, and you've discovered that there are three stages in fruit-bearing that are listed here. And although you perhaps know this but just by course, I would like to share this with you. The Bible says in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So look, there are those people that want to cling on, who maybe have had an experience with God, but they've never trusted Him. They maybe have all the outward indications of religion or some sort of a profession of faith, but there's nothing genuine that has been, been, been produced in their life, and God knows it, and they are taken away. This was spoken right after Judas Iscariot left the upper room. And when the Lord said, what thou doest, do quickly. And he went out and sold Jesus for the price of a common slave, 30 pieces of silver. He was taken away. And even as we read of in verse number 6, cast into the fire and burned because he was not grafted in to the vine as it were. But we notice those three stages here. And that is this, in the second part of that verse, and every branch that beareth fruit. So there's bearing fruit. Then it says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Second stage is more fruit. And then the Bible says in verse 5, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. That's what God's plan for your life is, that you bear much fruit for God. Now many of you are like me and you've tried to plant citrus trees here in Arizona and I have as well. And we've planted a little sapling there, uh, a little seedling tree and you know, uh, didn't have any fruit, barely had any leaves on it, but the, the nursery said it was an orange tree. And you know, you give it water and light and all the nutrients that it can uh, have and you know, in about a year's time, you know what you get? You get one or two little pieces of fruit on that little tree that stands about that tall, right? You get fruit. And then over time, what you do is you, you pick that fruit off and you prune that tree. You give it water, give it sunlight and the nutrients that it needs and can have. And you know what? The next year, there's more fruit, Right? And as you continue to do that, there's more and more until finally it begins to thrive and there's much fruit. And the Bible says that that's God's plan. It says in verse number 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And as I was looking at this, I began to understand and I didn't find this in anybody's commentary. The, the Lord just began to reveal this to me through His Word. We, we, we see the working of the Trinity together in enabling us to do that which God commanded. Did you know that the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. What that tells us is that God never asks anything of us that He does not equip us to perform. 
Did you know that? Uh, uh, God will give us and do for us everything that He requires of us, and I'm grateful to the Lord for that. And the Trinity is involved in enabling us to do God's will. Here's how. You see, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to enlighten our eyes with the light of the truth. He's the Spirit of truth. He will open our eyes. He will guide us into that truth. And, uh, and, and that's a ministry. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He provides the light that is so essential for growth. And then Jesus said in John chapter 4, I am the living water. He that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And so he is also the living word. And the Bible here says, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the Holy Spirit provides the light. And Jesus is the light of the world too. They work in perfect harmony together. But he provides the water of the word and it waters the life. And then what the Father does is He begins to prune the vine. And all together those things help us to fulfill all of His goodwill for our life, and that is to bear much fruit. Now I want to say something to you, and that is this. That the Heavenly Father, He purges our life. He prunes us. And I have to say something to you that in having citrus trees here in Arizona, I know, Dee you do, and uh, others of you perhaps have them in your yard, and uh, we have had for a long time. And uh, sometimes if you have a heavy monsoon season and you're not paying particularly close attention, you'll go out into the yard and you'll look, and there at the base of the trunk of that citrus tree, you'll see all of these suckers or or we call them suckers sometimes, or, or volunteers, or, or, or something like this. But you'll see all this green leafy growth at the bottom of the tree. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen that. And, uh, and you know what? All of that does nothing to help produce more fruit on those branches. Did you know that? What that's doing is it's tapping into the nutrients that those branches need to produce much fruit. And so you know what the Father does? The Father takes heaven's pruning shears and He begins to cut those things away. But are those dead and brown? No. Many times I've gone out and pruned those, those limbs off the bottom around the trunk and they were as bright green as they could be. And they were shiny and they were alive. But did you know that there are things that you and I are alive to in this world system there are things of the flesh that we are alive to that the Word of God tells us to mortify. And you know the word mortify means kill. That means it needs to be put away from us. It needs to be put to death. And so, you know what the Heavenly Father does? He takes heaven's pruning shears out and He begins to prune away those things that are preventing us from fulfilling all of the good will of God that we may with abundance bear much fruit for God. And I will tell you this, whenever He does so, it is never pleasant. It is never pleasant. It doesn't feel good. It's not nice. In fact, sometimes it, it, it's just bad. 
Last Sunday, Linda and I sat in the auditorium of Capital City Baptist Church for the funeral of Benita Sharp, our missionary wife. And as we sat there trying to find some comfort and give comfort as God would permit, the pastor that was delivering the message said, Folks, I want to tell you that, that what has happened here is bad. I think everybody kind of braced up and looked back like, can you say that in church? You know, I thought we're supposed to take a different perspective. And he said, let's be candid about this, folks. There's nothing good about five children seated right here in front of me losing their mama. Nothing good about a godly man who loved his wife, his ministry companion, his friend, his lover, his wife, for all of these 23 years, the mother of his children, that's bad. We, we can't say this is good. But, but we know Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And although right now we cannot see it, and our emotions have caused us to be short-sighted, and even though we do not have all the answers and we can't explain all the whys and the what for what has transpired here, and everything that we see in front of us is bad, we know that God is good and that all things in God's timing will work together for good to them that love God. And we cannot see it now. But praise God, the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the author and the finisher has seen the ending. And I would tell you, although it hurts now, and although it looks bad now, and although the pruning right now uh, is unpleasant, in the end, it's going to bear something precious and beautiful and bring honor and glory unto the Lord God. And my friend, I want you to know that the one that loves you and calls you into a transcendent intimacy with Him is working in your life and what He is seeking to produce is something of precious beauty. And I would tell you this, there are five main types of fruit, although we can find many in the Bible, I believe they can fall within the five different things that are indicated in the Word of God as I have studied it. And what we know is that there is the fruit of the Spirit. And that is found in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. Against such there is no law. And understand this, that those nine virtues are representative of the character and virtue of Jesus Christ. And they are produced, it's fruit that is produced in our life by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not something that the flesh can manufacture and sustain. It's something that God alone can produce within us, the fruit of the Spirit. There's the fruit of righteousness that we, we read of in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And the fruit of peace, which is sown in peace of them that make peace. But right there we see it's the fruit of righteousness that He produces within us. We see the fruit of good works. Uh, uh, look, we're not saved by works, but we are saved to work. And in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, 
God produces that within our lives. We discover as well in Hebrews 12 verse 15 uh, uh, that we can offer the, uh, the, the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto His name. It is the fruit of thanks and praise that we render unto God that when we are offering up the sacrifice of praise, it costs us something, it often hurts, but God can produce it within us. And then we see the fruit of other believers because God has ordained that every living thing should reproduce after its own kind. And God wants for believers to preach the gospel, to plant a seed that the water of the Word can water and the light of the Holy Spirit can, uh, can begin to grow that it would bear a rich harvest in the life of those that know not God. And so what we see is that the fruit that is produced is, is produced by God. But let me say this to you. God didn't just create you so that you could be a worker drone in the kingdom of God. It's not just about being a worker bee and God is up in heaven saying, we need much fruit, so get busy. Work, 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 work. Try harder. Apply yourself more. Dedicate yourself more. Pray harder. Pray longer. Read more. Read longer. Look, God is not up in heaven demanding things of us any more than than Didi you go out into your yard and say to that tangerine tree come on grow 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 you could do that to the cows come home and what's going to happen nothing right you could say try harder work harder tree grow 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 and you know what's going to happen nothing and the fact of the matter is that when growth comes it comes naturally because of the water that's given because of the sunlight that's given because of the pruning that's done naturally it begins to produce and what I want to say to you this morning is this my friends that God is more interested in you than what you can produce for him he loves you. And so we notice what this is really all about. The fellowship. The Bible says in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. You see, what we find is that God is calling us to abide in Him. He said, abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. He said, for without me, in verse 5, ye can do nothing. So what He is calling us to is a transcendent intimacy with God. And I've said this in each service, that men are often afraid, scared to death of the term intimacy. But it is something that God is calling us to, a oneness, of abiding with Him. It involves loving divinely, loving as He has loved us. And folks, I, I know that sometimes it sounds kind of like pie in the sky. People are like, I don't, I don't get it. How, how do you do that? How is that accomplished? Folks, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever been heavy hearted? Have you? Raise your hand if you have. You ever been discouraged? Maybe a little depressed? Yeah. You know, there have been times I've been just like that too, where I've where I've been praying, Lord God, I just don't feel 
Right. I, I, I'm, I'm a little tired in my spirit. You know, I'm a little discouraged, a little depressed. God, I really need you to show me something from out of your word. And Lord, I, I, I want to open this book and I, I don't want to just read it academically. I want to see it as the love letter from heaven that it is. God, would you give me what I need today? Would you open my eyes to understand its truth? Sometimes I pray with tears. I read that Bible, and you know what? It's like the lights come on. Heaven comes down, and glory fills the room. I begin to pray and praise the Lord. You know, in those moments, I don't know if you're, you've, you've ever experienced this, but I have many times where I've just felt like the Lord was right there in the room with me. And even though I couldn't reach out and touch Him, I was just as sure He was there. I could sense Him palpably in my presence. And it was almost like He snuck up behind the chair I was sitting in, wrapped His loving arms around me, said, Son, I've got this. It's going to be okay. I put my head back. said, okay, I'll just trust you. And I realized in those moments I could face the day because God was giving me what I needed in those moments of intimacy just to simply trust and obey. To have that intimacy and the world looks at that and they don't understand. They don't get it. And I'm sad to tell you that there are many people that claim to be Christians, that go to church. And they don't get it either because they've never experienced it. That intimacy with the Lord. You see, that fellowship with Him is critical to us having the fruit produced. But understand, God's focus is not on the fruit silo. God's focus is you. He cares about you. He died for you. He wants fellowship with you. He's not standing there saying, more fruit, more fruit, work harder, try harder. He wants you to abide in Him and He in you. and He wants you to know how much He loves you. And He wants to share that together with you. This fellowship that He calls us to is, is a joyous one. He said in uh, verse number uh, 11, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. It's what Peter called joy unspeakable and full of glory. Can I say this to you this morning, that joy doesn't have anything to do with happiness, and happiness doesn't have anything to do with joy. Joy comes from Jesus. Happiness comes from our circumstances. As Linda and I sat in that service last week, we heard the testimony of 
the pastor of the Capital City Baptist Church that when Brother Gene Sharp received the news that his wife had been involved in a terrible accident, he, he made his way to the hospital. When he got there, the, the doctors and nurses came out of the emergency room and they, they said, Mr. Sharp, your, your wife didn't survive. And in that moment, his heart was broken. He was devastated. I spoke to him just about three hours after that. And all we could do was just cry over the phone together. And as the pastor arrived at the emergency room, he walked into the waiting room only to see Brother Sharp standing up and about 20 doctors, nurses, and first responders sitting there. And Brother Gene saying, my wife is with the Lord now. And I know I'm going to see her again. And you all can know and have the same assurance that if you don't make it home after this shift tonight, the heaven is yours. Again, to give him, give him the gospel right there in the hospital minutes after his wife had died. You know, some people like, well, he was just in shock or he was just babbling. No, you know what? On the inside, his heart was breaking, but he had the joy of knowing, I'm going to see Benita again in heaven. And those people, they looked at him and they thought, you know what? He's got something I don't have. He's experiencing something I'm not. The fact is that too few Christians ever really live with the joy of the Lord in their life that buoys them in their moments of crisis and allows others to see and know that they're experiencing joy unspeakable and full of glory. It doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. And quite honestly, sometimes when the Heavenly Father prunes us, it hurts. And even in those times, we can rejoice in knowing that all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. The truth today is this, that this fellowship is leading us to a trust and an obedience that follows that trust. Because what He is calling us to takes a step just beyond the call to a loving intimacy, but to an eternal friendship. God wasn't trying to recruit migrant workers into His harvest field. He said, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his master doeth. Henceforth I have called you friends. He said, I'm, I'm inviting you into an eternal friendship with me. He chose us for this. He didn't pick you so you could be a worker drone in the kingdom of God. He chose you to be his friend. That's what he chose you for. And this friendship that he calls us to has love at its foundation. 
But I will tell you this. When you begin to wrap your heart and mind around, get your arms around what God has done for you and what He's calling you to, all of a sudden what happens is you begin to see fruit in your life. It just begins to pop out everywhere. It's just this inclination to tell people about how good God is. It's just this desire to tell somebody because it's too good not to share. And it's natural. It's not work, 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 produce, 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 try harder, harder, harder. No, it just flows out all over you. I want you to notice that the Bible says, I've not chosen you, or you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. We notice the faithful, that which will be there. You can count on it. And I want to say this to you, friends. What is real remains. What is real remains. Say, what do you mean? I mean this. That if the Holy Spirit of God is producing patience in you, you won't be patient today and impatient tomorrow. See, it's going to remain. Now, everybody's going to have moments. But you know what? You're not going to lose completely all that God is producing in you or it wasn't real to begin with. I'm just simply saying what's real remains. God's plan is that it remain. That your fruit should remain. The true child of God will have fruit that will be faithfully produced and preserved. The indication is that the true fruit that He produces will remain as a constant in our lives. He wants your life to be abundant, my friends. Last night, we sat around the table with the children, and we were laughing and reminiscing. And my son, Jonathan, who sang this morning, reminded me of, of a friend that I used to play ball with all the time. And uh, I, I played basketball competitively from elementary school all the way up into college. And uh, had a friend that I led to the Lord, his name was Greg, and he played professionally. He was an outstanding athlete. Played, played in university and had the opportunity to play one season with him uh, at junior college. And, and, and the fact is, he, he was so good, you just never knew when he was just going to take off and slam dunk the basketball or do, do some, something that you just didn't think was possible. Um, I, I, I tell you, he was, he was kind of like a... Uh, 80s version of Pete, Pistol Pete Maravich he used to play for the Jazz and and uh, he was about six foot five and he was phenomenal. He led the the NBA Summer Pro League two years in a row in scoring and uh, and he and I used to go to Wilson High School all the time uh, in Long Beach, California, and play basketball with all the top Division One prospects. And he'd say, I got next, I got next, I got next game. And when it came time to choose up sides, they'd have all the guys there. 
and, and there'd be two team captains having to pick teams. And do you know there'd be guys there that were seven feet tall? Guys that were, I mean, could do anything with the basketball. They were fabulous players. And every time he would pick, he'd always say, I, I got my man right here. He'd point at me. I want him on my team. And uh, it wasn't like I was a hack. I could play ball, you know, but there were a lot of guys that were better players than me. A lot of guys that could jump higher, score more points, get more rebounds. But he always said, I want my man right here on my team. And I remember just thinking about it and being a little embarrassed, you know. One day I was driving him home after we finished playing some basketball. It was on a Sunday. We were going to go to church that evening, and I'd, I'd already run my bus route, and we were playing ball for two or three hours before church. And uh, I said, you know, uh, Tooch, you know, there are a lot of great players. If you want to keep running, you don't have to pick me. You don't have to put me on your team. He punched me in the arm, driving a little Toyota. And he said, listen, chappy, chappy slappy. <laughs> he used to call me all kinds of names like that. He said, I just want you to know I pick you because you're my friend. He said, besides, I like the way you play. And I think we play well together. You know why he picked me? It wasn't because I could produce the most points. He picked me because he loved me. We were friends. And you know, I've got to tell you something. You know why Jesus picked you? Not because you could produce the most fruit. He picked you because he loves you. And when you begin to get your mind around that, you have those moments where you just know. All of a sudden what happens is you begin to see someone over here that doesn't know the Lord. And you say, just like Pastor Pack was telling me, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Savior. And you know what? They get saved and all of a sudden, you know what? There's some fruit. And then you know what? You get excited about it and you bear the fruit of praise. And then, you know what, you, you go over here and you, you want to work at the church because you got a friend that's coming and, and all of a sudden you got the fruit of good works going on over here. And you know what, no one was demanding it out of you and no one was forcing it on you and, and you weren't even thinking about it. It was just being produced naturally because you began to get your mind around how much God loved you and all of a sudden naturally here's some fruit and there's some fruit and here's some fruit and you wake up the next day and you thought, you know, the thing that gave me the greatest joy was just telling somebody about Jesus and there's some more fruit and a little more fruit. It's not something that's manufactured. It's something that God produces naturally. Folks, understand this. We're going to have bad moments. But God can take all of the moments that we have and put them together 
and make them work all together for good. He loves you today. He calls us to bear fruit. And when we love Him like He calls us to love Him, it just happens. But friends, understand this. He doesn't force it on you. It's a choice to yield myself to the Lord. To let God do in me and through me everything He desires to do. That's a choice. We've got to choose to be fruitful. And when we yield our will to His, Katie, bar the door. Here it comes. A little fruit over here. And then we get excited about the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto His name. Then we get excited about someone coming to church and we want to clean the church house and let them know people care. And there's the fruit of good works. And it just happens again. Not because we were forced to, but because it came naturally from the Lord through our life. You know, I'm afraid that there have been too many times where I felt like I had to do something. But you know, when I understood how much God loved me, and when I have that in my mind, it's amazing how much I want to. You think about that. Father God, we thank You for the blessing of knowing that You love us and You call us into this intimacy with You. Lord, I pray that You would help us to desire the life of God that You produce in us and through us naturally. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. Perhaps in this service, there's someone that would say, Pastor Mark, I am not even certain that if I died today, that I would go to heaven to be with the Lord. If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but I'd like to pray for you. If you would say, Pastor, I'm not certain that I'm on my way to heaven, but I would sure appreciate it if you'd pray for me. Right now, while no one is looking, I wonder if you'd just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. Just put it up and right back down. I'll see where you are and remember you in prayer. Then perhaps there's someone in the service that would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved, but I'm just, uh, I, I've been a little uh, barren in my fruit bearing. Haven't been really submitting to what God is desiring to do in me. Pray for me that I would, I would be a fruit bearing Christian. That I would show forth the genuineness of what God has done in me. Here's my hand, pray for me. Many hands, many hands. Lord God, I thank you today for these sweet folks gathered in this place. Lord, I pray that you would continue using the truth of the Scripture in each of us long after the service is over. And Lord, may our passion be to love and honor you, and may the result be fruit. And this we pray. In the lovely name of Jesus, amen.
Folks, thank you for choosing to be in the house of the Lord today. And it's my prayer that you'll think on these things and that you'll really, truly yield your life to God's eternal purpose. And uh, certainly, He wants to use you. But He's not going to force it on you. What a wonderful thing it is when it flows naturally from the Lord. Thank you.